Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dudley boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that went down on Saturday's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review Collision, Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, oh. pay-per-views, premium live events. We have wrestler interviews on occasion, roundtable discussions, Discussions and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. The second this show ended, mm. I was desperate to talk about it, yeah, because I couldn't really work out how I felt about it. Uh, what were your thoughts overall before we uh, delve deeper? Watched it twice for that exact reason. Me and Murray did a stream, which you can still find on YouTube. But I wanted to see it again with being able to hear all the commentary and able to really judge because obviously. You know, it kind of warps your experience of it when you're watching it live and chatting away with the people watching along with you. I didn't love it. As I a didn't broadcast, love it. But it's weird, right? We often talk about the AEW uh, bar being set so much higher than possibly any bar in North American TV history. Yes. I can't speak to what the bar was when the territories were running in their weekly networks. But I just assume that people out of their one hour of wrestling a week didn't want a match of the year every single week. Yeah. Because Collision didn't have one. But it had the promo that right now I'll remember more at the end of 2023 than any other. So it's like, well, hang on. I'll remember that promo more than anything else in 2023 until Punk gets involved in an actual story and then he might do even better ones. But right now, that's my promo of the year. And then nothing else on the show lived up to of the year standards. So what am I after? Like, what am I after from a wrestling show if I didn't get at least that? I did love, because I'm not sure where else to bring it up, the genuine conscious effort to distinguish it from Dynamite in a way that Rampage never did. Yeah, so right out the gate, if you're going to launch a new show, remember the old AEW thing that you used to say about, like, don't do what WWE do? Sadly, it's become, don't do what Rampage did. Yeah. And immediately, great start. Looked different, felt different. Not sure how you can capture that every week, but hope you can. Pacing, clearly very different. Certain agent in choices, I felt were different as well. So, like, gold star, actually, for that, because Tony Khan has not proven that great at that specific skill, and I thought he nailed that. Uh, as a wrestling show, when we deep dive into it, not loads beyond the obvious that I'm going to be doing backflips for, but the backflips are double gymnastic trampoline backflips when they are, when they're backflipping. My main takeaway, my main positive takeaway, and I've got you know more than one negative one. If I'm being perfectly honest, uh, my main takeaway was that because the very premise of this show is bittersweet slash flawed slash a compromise it kind of stands to reason that the execution would be as well like but the main positive takeaway i've got 
is that it was paced very differently. It was almost staggering that angles were recapped and there were no backstage interruptions and it felt way less frenzied and things were allowed to register. Um, And I really liked how if we have to have it this way, and we do for various reasons that would take too long to get into on this podcast, if we have to have two distinct shows from one another because there's no such thing as a collective AEW on which every member of the roster is happy to appear, then look at the contrast between the two trios matches, which I think maybe was on purpose. You had the balls to the wall, hyper-athletic, move, 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 still lots of story, but very, very sort of original AEW, if you like. And then you had this very slow burn hot tag, build to, build to, build to, a lot of minimalist, understated work, and then a big sort of dramatic ending, but in a different way to the one on Wednesday. Those two trios matches underscored to me, if there has to be two AEWs, and I don't like that, but if there has to be two AEWs, this is the best possible version of that flawed premise. Yeah, I don't... Uh, well, do you have anything I disagree with you on that entire point? I didn't love it. Did not love the main event. Like, I would... If I had to watch one again, I would watch the Elite one. Yeah. Um, which, you know, me and you across these tables typically wouldn't lean in that direction, shall we say. I, like, I'll go into my problems with it when we get I've to it. I've got one significant problem, and guess what? I'm going to do a bit of Culture War stuff as well. <laughs> like, I don't think my issues with it were Culture War based, but I've got, like, a couple of issues with it. Um, none of which are related to the punker, I should point out. But like, my, one of mine does. <laughs> um, but I like it's. But I totally get your point, and I think that's like, I think that's very. Um, that's going to be. I know, like you've always felt that this is going to be a compromise. Anyway, I, I disagree with that. Still, I feel like my tinfoil hat doesn't feel as much made of tinfoil anymore. Like I, I believe, and we'll, you know, we'll get into it more of the promo. I think business is getting done, and I'm pleased to be watching that. I feel more relieved than ever about the health of AW behind the scenes after Saturday than I did before. So I like, don't, but I'm going to get conspiratorial, yeah. imminently. Like, I, I just, I have good feelings about where this goes long term, whereas on Friday it was more just hope and pie in the sky, and now there's a, a small, like, a small like, light of expectation that's starting to glow within me about the possibilities of it all. So you're saying you're wearing a tinfoil hat? No, I'm saying my hat, my hat was tinfoil on Friday, when I could dare believe that yes. they might actually be on the same page. Now I think they're moving towards, I don't think it's tinfoil anymore, I think what we saw was some evidence that baby steps can be made. Well, I think an interesting debate will be had on that, and probably within about three minutes after I recap the opening (laughs) of this show, which is CM Punk coming out to an absolutely massive, unanimously positive reaction, as you would expect, dot, 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 in Chicago. Um, Comes out, he's got his boots around his neck, he's got a bag, looks like Dean Ambrose in 2016. (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And he comes out. I did think there was going to be uh, Mindy's Bakery in there, by the way. Yeah. At first, I thought like he's brought out muffins in their water or something, and he plonks it out on the floor. So the first thing he says is brilliant. Yeah. He says, I don't want to be nice anymore. <laughs> and that's a great line. Yeah. That is a great line. Um, he says, people love me because I've always unapologetically been myself. And then he, the conceit of the promo, tell me when I'm telling lies. It's his new thing. Um, he is now, I think, which is key to this. Yeah, he's telling lies. Like, but I think like he's kind of like, this is why you people love me. Like, even from the very beginning, it's like, all right, mate, I do, but I don't want to be told I'm loving yeah. you. Like, I think he's burying 
the heel turn, like you seed in the heel turn within every word of this, including what was once a kind of, like when he first did the Tell Me When I'm Telling Lies, it was kind of a defiant babyface thing. It predates the brawl out rant. Now, I think it's the first, like it's a heel mantra hidden within this. I'm home, love me. I think he's, he is, he's false prophet now. Oh, we will see about that. Emmy says, there's some people who hate me for the fact that I've been unapologetic. I know that my presence has made people uncomfortable because I am the truth and the truth is painful. Um, we get F the elite chance. Um, he also says, you can love me or you can hate me. We all know I am the truth. I speak truth to power. Dot, dot, dot. David Zasloff calls me one Bill Phil. <laughs> oh my God. Which is possibly the most anti-punk rock sentiment. Like, ever expressed it's like a network um i alluded to this on twitter i was like one bill phil is basically his head of the table moment when you are invoking that a network executive is giving you an attaboy and a hair ruffle you are not the kind of fighting workhorse champion of the people yes and i thought that was the first not the first but what, like the big headline moment of this is where this character he could just be unhinged I'd like to think it's a little bit more. I'd like, I'd like to think this. It always is with one Bill Phil, isn't it? This agent of chaos is going to steer it. He says that I, um, when I was young, if you had told me that I would sell out every single building in Chicago with a roof over it, Madison Square Garden and Budokan Hall, I would not have believed you. But I did because I'm one Bill Phil and all the rest of oh, it. Sorry, tell him when he's telling me. This one, uh, I'm going to get to this in my analysis. You missed out um, one Bill Phil. In an industry full of counterfeit books. I was just about to get to oh, it. Oh, sorry, I thought you just glossed over the line. He says, I'm the one true article in a business full of counterfeit books. Like, is there... And I'm going to have to sort of step in for Wilborn here because I feel like he would have asked the question if I didn't. Is there a problem with people um, counterfeiting dollar notes in the wrestling industry? I wasn't aware of this. You'll have to explain uh, something. No, no, no. It's a play on words. He's talked about that? how the young books are fake as, as draws and as stars and all the rest of it. Oh, the young books? Yes, the young books, to current... the young books. Oh, I should mention as well, he takes off the um, AEW logo. Yes. Which to me was a bit like taking off the wedding ring because you can deny that you're married. If you are a horrible person and you are married and you cheat, apparently the crack is you take off the wedding ring as if to deny that. Well, I'm not married in this moment because I've got... Like in... Phone booth with Colin Farrell. Yes, that's yes. the one thing I remember. So you take off the wedding ring. Oh, I'm not really married because I've got the wedding ring off. Oh, I'm not really in this company that someone else built for me. So I'll just take off the AEW logo. I just thought it was the callback to his heel turn. No. Nah. Um, that's right, though, isn't it? He no, did probably. that in WWE when he, he like the same. Like, that's the... He did, but there was another reason. There was another <laughs> reason. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> he um, takes that off before the spiel. And after referencing um, the Young Bucks, which I will get back to um, because they referenced him back, he turns his attention to MGF, which I think was really, really clever because instantly what he does here is that he knows he can't build anything with the Elite. Yeah. Why he's talking about it when he should probably be selling that main event. This is what I'm talking about, the bittersweet mm-hmm. compromise. The fact that he turns his attention to MGF in the exact same, if not more incensed, like sort of cadence, yeah. it's very clever because he instantly portrays the idea that he hates MGF as much as them. And because we know how much he hates the elite, 
Um, it feels like way more organic than if he had just mentioned MGF. Oh, that's the real reason why I'm back. Oh, that's the real reason why this is such a captivating moment and everyone's hanging on my every word. I thought that was really, really incredibly smart. And the thing about Punk is that it's so difficult to analyze him because every single sentiment or word you can throw at him applies mm. in a certain context. Yeah. One thing above all else is that he's a very smart dude. And I thought it was so clever because when he turned his attention to MGF, he's got the bag. The insinuation is that his world title is in there and that he's not, he's still the champion until someone beats him for what's in this bag. And he buries MGF by saying, oh, I had the best dog collar match. Well, I won it. So what does that tell you? I don't want to cross talk over you, but I feel like it's one of them promos. You've been doing it the whole time. Punk, I was just going to say, Punk builds almost chapters in, doesn't he? And it's almost like you can pick each bit apart. It reminds me of doing Punk MJF, where it was like, we need to stop there because let's talk about this little bit he said and then yeah. on the next one. What I thought was really interesting here is that he threw MJF's entire bit back at him. And I'd never noticed this before. And it takes a CM Punk to spot this. And it's why MJF deserves all the credit in the world because he's leveled up to CM Punk in this program and in AEW in a way that I really love and yet Punk has still dared to go, still levels, Max. And I thought this was so impressive. MJF, over and over again, in both juggling the reality of his character and the fiction of pro wrestling, buries New Japan, buries Dave Meltzer, buries, 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 because it's not about ratings, it's about wins. doesn't bury everyone. One of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f***. Sorry. He is a man of great refined taste. And he uses his character to illustrate the point when he's trying to speak in, like, not in a promo setting, but in a press scrum or anything like that, that why do these guys risk their bodies for a claim? It's about wins. It's about losses. And then he does start talking about, I had the best this, I had the best that, I had the best dog collar match. And CM Punk throws that right, that exact thing right back in MJF's face. I thought, like, again, this is another thing with this, like, belief I've got that, like, more people have been talking for longer. I want to believe what I'm watching here is collaborative. Like, I want to not know for definite, but I want to believe it's collaborative because I want to believe that there's enough uh, harmony backstage that you can have the hostilities in the ring. Yeah. And if MJF and CM Punk have been talking, that's why for the last three months, MJF for the first time has been talking about how the best singles dog collar match. When he's a man that talks exclusively about winning and why that, that matters more, yeah. why has he now started saying... I've had the best dog collar match. So we can feed Sam Punk this line and we can do business down the line. Like, I want to believe that with Page and with the books is like a version of that exists and these ends are not as frayed as we think. I want to believe the opposite's true. That's the thing with Punk. I want to believe that he's just going completely like off piste <laughs> and nuclear. Yeah. Basically ends the promo, which we'll probably spend another 10 minutes on actually, um, by saying that until someone can fill these boots, they belong on my feet. Walks away without mentioning the main event once. Yeah. And it feels completely tacked on. That itself is an issue for me. Um, it's already a, a hard sell. Maybe if you tried to sell it, it would come off condescending. So I don't know whether to criticize him or to just accept that this match is just a little house show adjacent, if very well worked match that um, bids to get him over or to keep him over, or to establish him, that no, no, he is the top star, he's winning the main event, and that's all we need to do here. But maybe he could have tried, and the fact that it's all, he's, everything he talks about and seemingly really cares about is totally disconnected to a 25-minute match, or whatever it was, the length of it itself is an issue, I think. Mm-hmm. So that is a critique for me. And 
yeah, it, it depends on how you want to interpret this. And again, we've, we've talked a lot about um, the fundamental flaw of what we do and how we do it. It's a story that never ends. It's weekly episodic TV. Um, it's like the analogy, I guess, is reviewing a chapter of a book not knowing when you're going to flip over the rest of the page or what's on the next pages and saying, oh, it's this, that, or the other. It's flawed to do. If, in fact, he is sowing the seeds for a heel turn, I very much think with his entire disposition, he knows damn well that he's probably going to get poorly received and he wants to be fluid with that, so he doesn't care. He said it himself, I don't care if you love me or hate me. Yeah. Um, if, in fact, he's sowing the seeds for a heel turn, I thought this was incredibly effective because... You like to believe in a baby face. Like the John Moxley ideal is that he would say, I'm going to do this, and then he would do it. And that was perfect. And he kind of embodied what baby face should be doing. There was just something to me that when CM Punk's whole spiel is, I'm the one who tells the truth. I'm the uncompromising one, even if it's awkward for me, even if it's awkward for everyone else. I also says that I'm sorry that you're softer than the wrestlers that you like, oh which guess. is the other iconic line. And we got his uh, face kicked in by Teddy Hart um, and, <laughs> and others, just to, just to mention that as well, because the man is a living, breathing hypocrite. He yeah. is. And for some, that's actually the appeal. Mm. Messy bitch punk. Messy bitch. That's the whole, the cult of personality, like no pun intended, around him. But when he's saying that I'm the dollars and cents, I'm one Bill Phil, the insinuation, the subtext is more than those elite guys. They've built something and I've taken it to another level. Um, That's why I'm the best. When he's saying that on the microphone to the hard camera, when there are just over half the people that were the first time he returned to the United Center, it's like, oh, where do you get the balls? Like, where do you yeah. get the balls? When he's saying that, tell me when I'm telling lies, I am the truth, I am the baby face, I think that this company should be built around and that's why I'm back. I sold out Budokan Hall. No, you didn't. I think it was Alan Forel who took out the data. And for that main event in 2009, I believe it was, against Jeff Hardy, there was 5,900 people. Did he sell out the garden? Because I couldn't... I can't remember him selling out the garden. Spring, I mean, I'll be... Somebody will tell us I'm wrong if they want to. I like know it. for a fact that he didn't even sell at the United Center. He sold out the allocation. That's different. They weren't. He they sold were, out for Rampage, I guess. Yeah, he didn't did. Rest, didn't wrestle, but that's the thing. He didn't this time. He did not sell out the Budokan. He filled just over a third of it. Yeah, like he's not Masawa. As much as he thinks he's on that level, he is. He did not sell out Budokan Hall. Soraya says she sold out the dome. I like you work the talk. Yeah, like, this yeah. is different. Like this is a different kind of lie, and that's yeah. what it is. He, yeah. tell me when I'm telling like there. Yeah, there's a lie. Is this the deluded narcissist heel coming back to be the disruptor to destroy the sanctity of AEW? Is that where this is going, or is he quite frankly deluded? No, first one. Like the first line, you summed it up. In the very first line, Punk tells you just like he did in the ESPN article. Punk tells you exactly what's going on in the ESPN article. It but, leads with. Um, this is a TV show, and I'm here to make money. And then he proceeds to do an interview that was nowhere near incendiary as people thought, and he lays out loads of stuff that feeds quite nicely into the television show he's a part of. And in the introductory line, he says, I'm tired of playing nice. That's a lie. That's insincere. He's got his head shaved. Like, this man has come back with an even bigger God complex than he had when he left. Um, He is a... You mentioned fluidity as well. Like, AW is a place that allows for fluidity. I didn't expect an F the Elite chant, but again, I think that's like... They'll be saying... They'd be che- if they were on Dynamite in Chicago, yeah. which they're apparently not, they if, would be cheering them. Exactly, so. yeah. Like, and, and like to be fair, the Elite, 
like cultivated that a little bit with that match against Death Triangle. Yeah, so yeah. they maybe have done what Punk did in Long Island on Long Island. Yeah, where like it's like you're not just building up fake pantomime heat; you're building up something that people believe and remember, and therefore want to kind of attach themselves to. Um, and I am just as curious, and I think Punk knows this, like most people are just as curious to see how all of this looks outside of Chicago. But if there was ever a night to cut what is ostensibly the start of your heel turn in a building where you are still going to get cheered, on a night where you're still going to get cheered, it was this one. And I thought this was like a, a manifesto, I guess, for the, the Punk that is to come. And the MJF element of it, I thought, was particularly inspired. But MJF, they had the perfect opportunity to turn him face. They didn't choose to do that. They clearly want to position him as a heel. But I don't think I don't think the MJF thing is for now, by the way. I don't think the title feud is anytime soon. But I again it's you've just said it, like we, we're talking about this now, not knowing what's fiction and what's part of the reality and not knowing what the actual plans are, and we're trying to analyze that like based on complete speculation. Punk didn't do that, I'm still a champion, I'm the uncrowned, you've got to beat me. He didn't do that in the way that a baby face would. He did it as a very stubborn, but he's cynical heel. I know, but maybe I think I might just be him. Just, his, again, person, just we, his personality, yeah. We yeah. don't know. We yeah. don't know. Like, So my interpretation is that even if he's sowing the seeds for a heel turn here, and the idea is God complex, that's what people hate about me. I'm smart enough to fold that mm. into the fiction, if you like. Would What we know of CM Punk, would he willingly lampoon himself as someone who thinks that selling just over a third of the Budokan, that was the reality. Would he send himself up for that? Um, I think he would. Do you think that he thinks, because he sold out the WWE allocation for that building, does he believe that's the same? I just don't know. Tell me when I'm telling lies, I'm the truth. If that's a heel bit, I don't think it's still that great an idea. I don't know. Like, I, like I'm I, not quite the draw I think I am in my head. That he, is the fiction here, apparently. Do we not sort of end up coming back to, like, pull, like zooming out of, like, pulling out individual lines and identifying individual lines? Like, what did that mean? What did that mean? What did that mean? Does this not bring? I'm just back- telling them when he's telling lies. Yeah, no, I'm serious. Does this not bring us back to the punk debate as well? About like, I fizzed throughout this as a CM Punk fan. The man has an effect on me as a wrestling fan. That basically, I want all wrestlers to make me feel. Only some do. And everybody's got those. I'm wrestlers. not going to be talking about Luchasaurus or Scorpio Sky this much. I'll tell no. you that. Like, he's, he's business in that respect. And he's box office. And, like, there's all... You see all the takes all the time. Like, I've had my own about, like, you either get it or you don't. There's other people that say, like, the industry is just better with him in it than outside of it because this is what happens and these kind of conversations occur. The one thing I go back to with Punk... Uh, and I didn't mind, I never mind being wrong, we talk bollocks all week, and you're going to miss as more than you hit, I think. The week he well, said the... On. One of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f- Probably more hits and misses then. Well, just think about the miss rate of the other wrestling podcast. The um, week he did the Shawn Michaels coming out here, Undertaker, to Hangman Page, I thought he was working, and I was wrong. And it was really unprofessional. And it just sort of, like, the ESPN article, again, trying to make it about the, like, Wilborn loves the bit, but, like, some of it is a bit, Hangman Page said that line, and that's where trust issues developed, and you can't, Punk is not a trust issues guy. Once that's gone, you're in trouble. Yeah. Like, uh, like he lost his high ground when he did that, you know. Um, he went down in my estimation. Like, yeah. well, that turns out that was a shoot. That's, that's just as bad form as anything you think Hangman Page did. Uh, so maybe I'm going to be, fooled again by it and maybe all of this is just go out there and give him hell kid and he just goes out and gives him hell but I just would rather the hell that's the 
Hell through CM Punk is a hell I cannot take myself away from. I've watched Brawl Out. I've watched the press conference that leads to what many people consider the worst moment in the company's history more times than half of the company's best promos. Yeah. Like, I, I want to live in CM Punk's hell. If you do, this promo was for you. Yeah. If you didn't, right. If you are bored of the CM Punk gossip drama, if you think he's not quite as good as he thinks he is, if you don't care for those great hours on Twitter when he drops an Instagram yeah. story or whatever, you were probably confronted with this unhinged guy with an incredibly fluid grasp of the truth who comes off as the most noxious, toxic, abrasive presence. And it's captivating. Is that a great top baby face who's going to launch a show? When you look at the ticket sales, it's one of those where this entire promo was captivating. I was glued to it. I couldn't believe some of the things that were coming out of his mouth, considering he was not meant to talk about them, you know. Maybe the verbiage was agreed, but that's the beauty of this promo. Yeah. You just didn't know where the line was. Again, this was just resolved nothing. People are not going to get a resolution. Um, either way, I don't think. It's very easy to be captivated by this man, and that's probably why he's being a tweener. I will be on this ride. I thought the promo was captivating. I don't necessarily think it was his best ever delivery, if I'm being honest, and I did, know, did not know what to make of it. I guess this is the big hook that apparently was missing from the show. I felt they could have done something else, and I'll get to that later. I would be lying if I would said, oh, I could miss Collision next week. Yeah. I did think that he could have done something in the fiction to establish it, genuinely. But I'd be lying if I said, I'm not watching next week to see what comes out of this guy's mouth. That's a thing, yeah. Like, we can talk at length about this, because this is the story, isn't it? Punk's the story. I'm going to talk about it. It's just I don't want to go long on that dreadful match. Like, the, I want to go long on the ending, because the Christian Cage is part of forever. But, like, yeah. Um, yeah, like, the, there was, I saw complaints after Collision. I had complaints about Collision. We're going to get to them. But one of them wasn't, Where's my match card for next week's collision? Because my match card is CM Punk. Like, for, for now, you can't rely on it forever. You absolutely can't. But remember how he was Rampage exclusive to begin with? Yeah. And it was like, well, that's Rampage this week because that's where Punk lives. Until he hands on Dynamite, this is the Punk show. Like, this is that for now. And I see no problem in them rehashing that. Whether he wrestles, whether he talks, tell me that he's in the building. Tell me, well, and they've already put him on the graphic. And they're like, tell me that he's there and whether or not he's building something to Forbidden Door. I'm more excited about a Dynamite where I didn't expect to get him, and now I might. Like I'm, it's yeah. But again, like I appreciate the sub, like, and you're seeing it on Twitter every day. Like I appreciate how subjective that is, and people's mileage will vary. And Punk is uh, leveraging an emotion, which is very hard to quantify. An emotion is what he's leveraging more than anything else because the ticket sales didn't support it. The ratings might. We're not going to, you know, happy Juneteenth to all that celebrate, but we're not going to find out till Wednesday as a result or late Tuesday, whatever it is. But the ticket sales, as of yet, do not. Um, like, support any kind of... Uh, punk is back and everything is fine again. You know, they're, they're just not there. But he is leveraging an enormous emotion to uh, basically put himself over as this godlike figure that has come back to save what he believes is the soul of All Elite Wrestling. Yes. So I don't know. I kind of, like... I dare, like, I dare say, for the next few weeks, you will get Punk on the show or CM Punk in action. I didn't get from this, you know... I didn't get um, the Jay White feud is upcoming vibes off this whatsoever. Not from promo nor match. I did not get the feeling that everything we'd read about, oh, Jay White and Punk is going to be the big thing. When people were reporting that he wanted to work with Jay White, has he just done that now? 
Like he took that incredible urinology in the main event and was that what he wanted? He just fancied working with Jay White because I didn't get the sense that there's like this long standing storyline that they're now going to play out unless it's as afters to this trio's match. Yeah. One more thing on this is that um, the book's reaction, and I've got a bit of a tinfoil hat here. So CM Punk says, I'm the one genuine article in a business full of counterfeit books. The Young Bucks, and I cannot believe they responded to this. It's it's captivating to me that there's been an interaction, no matter how minimal, Yeah, like about 40 words between them. I was fascinated that there was an acknowledgement, that there was a weird kind of interaction. So if you missed it somehow, the Young Bucks, in response to that CM Punk line, already infamous, this is just what he does, um, updated their Twitter bio to say, if this was 2018, we would already have a counterfeit books T-shirt available on PWTs. Cry laugh emoji. <laughs> Go kill it, y'all. Yeah. So on the surface, it's never about the surface. This is wrestling. On the surface, they're saying, oh, we don't care anymore. Like, it's the famous gotten to cry laugh emoji. Yeah. We don't care anymore. Go out and have a great match. Go for it. I love subtext. It's probably so much so that maybe I love it when it's not even there. I think what they're trying to convey with that is... If it was 2018, I would make money off this. It isn't. We have already made FU money. Mm-hmm. We do not need in any way, shape, or form, whether it's a T-shirt, whether it's a program, any money directly relating to anything you've done. Have a good match, the lads. Yeah, trying to create levels between what residuals used to mean to them versus what they still mean. Just, to what, just what they want to make money off. Yeah. They have are putting across to me anyway, and again, I get too far in the weeds with this, possibly. They're trying to tell me with that cry laugh emoji, oh, oh, we might have once upon a time have done a T-shirt just to make some money. We are not making a single cent off this. Have a great match. Don't really care. That's basically what they're saying to me. Both sides basically trying to say rent-free to each other. Yes. Oh, no. Basically. I don't want to, I don't want that really. What was your interpretation maybe Kenny of that? Mega, maybe Kenny Mega does win because I like him more than both of those reactions. Uh, my interpretation was the cry laugh emoji is always a reveal of yes. terrible pattern. Yes. So like there's there's a gotten to element of the cry laugh emoji. Uh, I didn't, that's a great take though. I didn't, I thought they were trying to um, big league him in a different way. I thought they were trying to say like, how oh, like, MVPs now, got the old day. Remember when Triple H? Yeah, I wear the shirt and tie, but I can still take it off and be the ace cooker. Yeah. Uh, we're going shirts and ties when I was the EVP back in the air. Uh, but when we were still grinding, back when we were still, you know, like, what did uh, Cabani say? Like, when we're hustling, going town to town hustling, we put everything in a t shirt. I thought it was very much this kind of like romanticizing the old days for, for who they are now. But even that comes with an element of needle because yeah. it's, it's, again, it's sort of saying, like, sorry, punk, we're. Uh, too busy being made millionaires off the thing that we've started for you to play in. That's what they've basically like we, said. We built the sandbox, so unfortunately we're building other sandboxes you can play in our sandbox. Yeah. Like, I thought that was kind of the... So similar, I guess, kind of thing, but no, like... Was, yeah, pretty much. But the emojis are... It's, uh, you've just killed your own you crack. killed your own crack. <laughs> Never do a cry laugh emoji. Like, it's weird. There was only shot of... I'm like so wrestling Twitter brain that I see a cry laugh emoji and I immediately think you're being defensive. You're yeah. being defensive. You're being defensive. So, like, when I've got, like, a group chat with, like... I've got, like, four group chats. got 104 friends. <laughs> but I've got, like, four main group chats that pop off. got, like, two at work, two with my main sets of buddies, university yeah. and growing up. In my, grown, in my university one, there's, like, an ironic lol. When it's like, you want a shorthand for saying, that's funny. Yeah. We thought, we're going to just get a lol back. 
it's just easy. And then like law became ironic, and now it's just and my one with my mates who I've grown up with and met along the way or whatever. We do cry laughs, and I was thinking. I don't know. I just, You're cheaping yourself a bit. I've got yeah. a group like that, and it's like, well, that's what we do then. Like, that yeah. just means I thought what you said was funny, but yeah. the cry laugh has got the connotations. But for me, they were they're def- not on wrestling Twitter, so they don't know what it means in wrestling Twitter. For me, the subtext was, we're not even going to print a T-shirt to monetize any of this, mm. let alone do real actual wrestling business. Forget it, and we're going to be a little bit. We've already made a few money, and honestly, I think it's. Honestly, more punk rock than anything CM Punk's done in his goddamn life. I love the idea of we have made so much money doing it our way. We have made so much money actually changing the industry to allow you to come in that we do not need T-shirt money anymore, much less to work with you in a program. Counter. Yes. Have they already made the T-shirt with that, the heart, the soul, the spirit? True. Is that not what the subtext of that T-shirt is? True. So, like... Is they say we'll not make any more t-shirts. Not make any we've got, more we've done t-shirts. One. Everybody's allowed one. Like Larry shirt. We've, so done we've got one. the subtext t-shirt, but we're not going to do the other subtext <laughs> t-shirt. Basically. Um, so yeah, the show's not very good. <laughs> From there on out, there are highlights. There's like, a lot going on. There's a lot to sort of like yeah. break down. But yeah. So what happens um, after the punker does the punker stuff is um, Luchasaurus. <laughs> Wins the TNT title and Wardlow <laughs> loses it again. Yeah. What? It's like, it's the one thing no one wants to see happen again. Yeah. The match wasn't particularly good. Everything, no. I don't want to do the whole, you know, dickhead podcaster thing. Well, I was right. I was right, God damn it. But, you know, I thought this match would be boring because the dynamic just isn't what it is. And Luchasaurus as a heel who's a bit methodical is just not good. It's no. just not what Luchasaurus is good at. So he does... Um, a lot of, much of it through the advert, but a lot of slow, unexciting, pun intended, prehistoric big man work, which is not what Luchasaurus is good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some bombs in there in between. At the senton, like, really looks good. But my God, Wardlow wrestled the match and was received here as, like, I hate to say it because I think the guy's still got a lot of talent. He looks like he is fodder for remember when he was a star list yeah like people you can't believe were as over as they were it's weird um i don't like it i think he's got more talent i think he's got more understated acting chops than the majority of the people who we would be on a theoretical list with but my god this match was just dull bereft of heat just felt like it was there and i just was struck as well how there was a different pacing to this there were no backstage interruptions there was no really convoluted or fascinatingly intricate storytelling, whichever side you sit on that debate. And sometimes AEW can do both. It can be a bit wanky, or there can be really, like, details-oriented. There was none of that on the show. It was quite basically plotted and all the rest of it. Elegantly paced. um, But I was watching Christian Cage do the interference, and I thought, it's just AEW, this. This is just kind of AEW at half speed, where you've got the constant seconds at ringside, constant swarm of activity, heel interference, managers interfering, stablemates interfering. This, for me, felt like AEW at half speed um, and not in a good way at all. Um, The finish arrives when Christian Cage takes um, a camera from a camera operator's hand, bashes Wardlow with it, and Luchasaurus is a new TNT title. They've taken this title off Wardlow, quite quickly, again, in a match that wasn't good, in a match that didn't make Wardlow feel like a star, 
these weird, redundant, like, again, prehistoric carny mechanisms to protect him in defeat. I kind of hated all of this except Christian Cage taking ownership and uh, uh, essentially parading himself as the TNT champion. This belt is dead. Yeah. I, they probably will do an automatic reach. This is the automatic rematch clause for Wardlow title. Uh, yeah. The two bits of individual brilliance I want to isolate are less than ideal because both of them are Christian Cage's. Like, I really like like the idea of a gimmicked camera. But by the way, like, two stiff shots and that thing exploded. It looked great. Yeah, yeah Like, yeah. the weapon shot looked great. And Christian was f- fantastic in his role as... Like, when he w- raced straight to the top row to celebrate with the belt and then instructed Luchasaurus to put him on his shoulders. Just a perfect visual for this Christian character. Uh, doing a bit that's 23 years old. Remember when they gave Edge that, like, Stanley Cup-shaped King of the Ring trophy? Yes. And he carried it around then. Like, it's the same bit, but Christian was awesome at it then. He's awesome at it now. Real ones know that he was a part of Guy from Edge and Christian all along, and we just see endless examples of it over the decades. I loved it. I hated the, everything else. Um, if CM Punk, ignoring what he does on camera, CM Punk wants to be this man that is spoken about uh, in reverential terms by some of his peers, some of the, not peers, sorry, the, the people that want to learn from CM Punk, the wrestlers that have come out in support of him since Brawl Out and this divide opened up as a teacher, as a helper, as somebody that has like got his fingerprints all over Collision stylistically and can he be a coach, that kind of stuff. There is no better example of where coaching is required than how beautiful Wardlow's Swanton Bomb was and how unnecessary and badly placed it was within yeah. the match. That was a gorgeous execution from a man who shouldn't be doing that and you didn't get anything even resembling a Brian Cage emotional response to it. I, like, I couldn't have felt less yeah. for something incredible. He does that, and you're like, oh, that's why you signed Wardlow. And then everything else about this match is going wrong and working against it. And there are... The dynamic was just so tedious. Yeah. Uh, didn't uh, feel big. A boring combination. Especially in contrast to Punk. Yeah, oh, of course. The and most th- ironically real wrestler of all time. And they went, like, to, they went with a title change, I believe, to give Collision this... I don't know this, like, it's a new show and we've got a new title match. It'll event television and they missed by a mile, I thought, because the match was nowhere near good enough. And I just didn't like watching it. I think Wardlow is beyond rescuing as the TNT hot potato guy. Said it a couple of times, I think. It's a meme now. Returning to MJF or CM Punk as a new MJF is the only move for a Wardlow character. A hard reboot of the stuff. And it's okay. AW's the place where that can happen, by the way. That's the thing. Like You could have something like MGF or CM Punk as a heel having Wardlow as a heavy. And you can maybe repeat it. All right, kid. Like, you thought you were good on your own. Yeah. The kind of thing where the second that Wardlow starts to, like, resent the treatment, and he's really good at conveying this frustration. And that's what worked the first time. It was the Batista-adjacent push. The new twist on it could be that the heel who gets him at his sort of worst moment and manipulates him can start saying, don't think about turning it. Remember what happened the last time, Wardlow? Uh-huh. You know, you could yeah. do things with this. So, uh, but when I pitched that, it's a fire escape. Yes. Because this thing is doomed. Should, uh, at one point, you felt like he was going to be the biggest face in the company. Yeah. Uh, and if they're getting that hot again, tear your plans up and try it. Yeah. Because that's clearly what happened. They had plans and they stuck to them. And every now and then in wrestling, you have to pivot a little bit. Yeah. And not strapping him up as quick as... He should have been strapped up and various other little misfires. It's been in collaboration. I think we've sort of tried to be as fair as we can with Wardlow. Often the booking's been bad. Often the matches haven't delivered. And unfortunately, both of those have kind of coalesced too often. Yeah. And now you can feel it. 
the vibe is gone. Yeah. And nobody even... Like, I wouldn't say... Like, you're right about this. Well, there's probably going to be a rematch. This feud will never die, etc. Are people even clamoring for it? Because oh, no. at this point, people... Does this batch lacked heat to begin with? It feels like everybody's attending the Wardlow Wake. Like 9,000 right? in Chicago for your first bit of in-ring action after the big... The TV show debuts here. Mm. Uh, I think the reaction throughout um, said a lot before even the finish slash result... Um, backstage in a sort of refreshing ah, it's, it's <laughs> the noise I would make an uninterrupted backstage interview, it's a theme throughout the night that's either backstage interviews or pre-tape promos very much non-dynamite energy um, we have QT Marshall and Powerhouse Hobbs as promised, this is going to be um, the new vehicle for Hobbs, Punk was talking on the ESPN interview about it's sink or swim time, yeah. it's sink or swim time for a lot of guys who have been for uh, fan cast into roles or heavily pushed internally ahead of roles they're going to take. Wardlow kind of sunk. Um, jury's out, obviously, on Hobbs and Starks, who've both... You can never tell if it's the book or the performance, maybe a bit of both. Um, but Hobbs is the other one that Punk was basically alluding to. Um, no evidence here. He basically just says he's going to enter and win the Owen Hart tournament. Um, after which we get the weirdest goddamn match I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Another theme of collision. What do I actually think about this? I've got no idea. Um, Andrade El Idlo defeats Buddy Matthews. Um, I, this is so weird. So basically, Andrade is coming out as your babyface. Yeah. The idea being that he's going to be one of your top babyface attractions on collision. And I'm thinking, that's weird because he's a heel the last time I saw him. And again, there's that culture war thing where I've invested in Sammy Guevara. He's a homegrown. And then you've got the WWE guy coming out, being a face. I don't care if he's a star. If he's a star, he's a star. Don't care about his history. I don't even care where he wants to work. If he in that moment is a star, I will just like him. Yeah. But I don't know if he wrestled like a star or carried himself like a star here. Just to say, though, not everybody does. I think, like, as somebody who has very literally written the book. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't right <laughs> Hold now. it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. On the launch of AEW, yeah. I, I don't think you're leaning anywhere near as hard as a bunch of people do to the emotion you've just described. Yeah. I think that is, like, that's still a thing that, like, well, like we're four years in, and that feels like a lifetime because of how much we all talk on the weekly cycle about wrestling. But, like, four years is not a very long time, despite what Andre said to Hogan, for a company to have existed, that people still do speak about AEW in those terms. And the idea that a wrestler, Miro had it as well, do you remember? Like the idea that like a wrestler can nope a promoter and that'd be like, well, get out there. Right? Doors over here. Then again, like, Miro got a superstar he reaction. Did, he did. But like, I think like those things do hang around certain wrestlers' necks. And it's if still, you can go out there in five minutes and just be a star, I think it will get quickly forgotten about. Yeah. Maybe Andrade didn't. Who knows? This batch was so weird. So you've probably was watched this, it. Was this crap for a bit? Because I think I think it was. I think it was crap for a bit, but then I don't know if I got worked into thinking... This is so weird. I'll go through it, and I'll try and make my mind up with some analysis. The basic gist, just to get started here, is that they do a double injury angle, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where Andrade's, were, uh, he's selling the separated shoulder. Um, not that the injured shoulder, the recently rehabbed, um, surgically repaired shoulder. Buddy Matthews, meanwhile, tweaks his knee in the middle of the match, and as we go to commercial... They're doing a double EMT, tends to each wrestler spot. I think the plot twist is, we're working, Briz others. <laughs> and um, they get back on their feet, and then Buddy Matthews does a sunset flip powerbomb, but his knee gives out. Mm. That allows Andrade to do... One second. His, I'm going to hit you with a forearm. No way, I'm going to turn around with my elbow, and, you, and your temple's exploded. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I need to take a second on that spot. It has frustrated me no end that the CM Punk stuff, it's so in the weeds and it takes such an explanation that I can't... You know, we talk about, like, showing our wives bits every now and then because, like, wrestling just pops off that much, yeah. right? I remember, like, the last thing I was showing her that would, like, I could just show her, like, cold was Sami Zayn and the use of those corpses. Yeah. Look at this. And she got it. She understood the character. So the odd bit of bloodline stuff, but even then that's fallen away. Because stuff gets in so in the weeds, it's like you'd need too much context to really appreciate it. Yeah. The punk stuff from the beginning has been too hard to explain because, like, well, it kind of starts with art of wrestling in 24. You know, I can't do it. I showed her this spot. And I was like, this is why the magicians. Like, this. watch this magician-esque sleight of hand. And she watches it, like, loop four or five times, here's the noise, and I have to be like, well, that's where that bit is. That's where this bit is. Look at if you imagine this character trying to, like, guard for a forearm or a boot, and instead he's blindsided by an elbow, and it looked real. Yeah. Like, this, more than the CM Punk press conference or his comeback promo, is something that she could watch and go, oh, 
and just think she'd seen a crime scene. Yeah. And it's like, that was, I think, the moment where I was like, oh, it wasn't crap. I was wrong about it being crap yeah. because it did spring into life. Yeah. And then I'd sprang to life from that moment on. Andrade picks up the win. Again, this is so weird. So they're trying to tell the story that the war is so intense that they've injured each other in the middle of it. With maybe a wink and nod of, I have to talk about this so carefully (laughs) for reasons that might become clear. Do I even want these reasons to become clear? Let's just say these two wrestlers have physiques. (laughs) <laughs> did you get did you get this when you were watching it in the process no. these two wrestlers have physiques that make you think that they may be more susceptible to injury right yeah so when this happens i'm thinking is this because crazy? of the physically intense style of work yes yeah has this thing fallen apart do they want me to think it's fallen apart because it it's kind of feasible that they would they're carrying so much muscle that they could get injured was that it was just the weirdest kind of thing where it was an effective work, like a really effective work if it was a work. Mm. And at the same time, I think it was absolutely the wrong match they should have had. It's not the match that the people in the audience wanted. And it was like effective and ineffective at the exact same time. Um, I was expecting absolute dumb jock, head drop, intense, you are really bumping mad at a really fast rate, and this is kind of really exhilarating. They told a story match that was almost too believable, and I think that was an issue because, one, it's not the match that the fans in the building evidently wanted. Maybe it was a bit too clever for its own good, but it was actually clever. And ultimately, I don't think the fans have this really sort of emotional connection with Andrade, of all wrestlers, mm. to really get behind, oh, no, he's injured. Let's get him over the line and sympathize with his plight. I don't think that, I don't think Andrade is that kind of wrestler, and I don't think this was that kind of match. And quite frankly, I was a little bit bemused by the whole thing. That is, I think you've nailed there where this went a bit awry. It's an Andrade thing. He got. But the cartwheel moonsault spot looked great. Loads of it looked great. Like the. He. I loved, by the way, the. Like. Buddy tries to beat him with the Rhea Ripley submission, and Andrade taps him out with the figure Ocho yeah. as if he's getting revenge for WrestleMania. Like, I love that they can, like, you're allowed as an AW yeah. fan to be like, that's a thing like this. There are other halves have talked about what worked and what didn't, and you can apply that to the Maybe, maybe, maybe like these two lads are way cleverer than I thought going into this match, mm-hmm. and I can invest in their storytelling ability after the fact. Who knows? But Andrade, to your point, got over properly in North America, really properly. Who didn't like the, the first time you saw like the rope pose and the little, the smug cocky act in NXT? But he got over properly when he wrestled Johnny Gargano and had a great match because he drilled him. Yeah, it was absolutely devastating offense to the point of concussion. And you thought you're killing him. It's yeah. like watching Drago. Awesome. It's like watching Drago knocking Apollo uh, Creed about, and it's just like stop it, stop it. You were killing this man. Yeah. I didn't ever notice all this time when you had a stupid hat and your braces that you've got the power of your elbows and knees to kill people. And that is the way, we've got evidence, that is the way that you kick, like you restart an Andrade run. And this wasn't that until the very end. And I don't know, I, I thought this was really rubbish for a while and then was super invested. So maybe I'm just going to leave it at a match of two halves and just suggest it was a maybe, like to give them credit would be to say it was an idea, one idea too big and to be a bit more critical. 
was it just a bit drab early doors and, then, drab they, and, and then they did what they're really good at which is throwing their ginormous and incredible yeah. physiques into high impact and high octane strikes like was it just the second half was more exciting because that's when they're exciting yeah. I, I, I don't know but I just no one could make their mind up about this match no. I, I'd be lying if I said it'd be some sort of classic and I thought the whole point of this booking was to make it feel like Collision's getting a Collision's getting a four star minimum match on its card Yeah, and this wasn't it exactly Exactly. Um, the post-match, Andrade goes to offer his hand. You know, he's going to be this new baby face, apparently, going forward. Uh, lights go out, and the House of Black are there. King lay- lays him out with the lariat. They stand tall. It's probably setting up Andrade and Pals versus the House of Black in a trios title program. And the trios, weirdly, the trios title seem to be the new home of Collision. Yeah, and not the elite, which is so weird considering what we know of Kenny Omega. Yeah. And again, all of this kind of, maybe I'll read into these things too much, but it just deepens the anxiety where it's like, all right, we've taken the trio titles away from the elite. Do you not want them to renegotiate and then resign? Isn't that not what they like to do? It's just all very, very weird. You're never going to get these, there's always going to be these political things lurking in the background of AEW when the show exists in its current form. I never thought the Elite would win the trios belts again, though. Yeah. Like, that had felt like... They bloody love a trios match. That, 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 I thought that, like, was a... Uh, we'll get them going yeah. type run rather well, than... Well, uh, maybe I'm looking into it far too much. Um, up next, Scorpio Sky, who's 40 years old. Uh, <laughs> I'm not being funny. <laughs> no, 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 it's, gets the... I'm the present and future of AEW. Don't lie to me. Do not lie to me. Even as a heel bit, I don't think this works. There's something that's too deluded. He's a literal past. He won two belts. It was really nice. He's, he's and we're done. Exactly. He's the one who makes AEW feel way older than it actually is um, for me. And it's one of those where it's like, how many times does he get the opportunity? Because I'm not a anti-Scorpio Sky person. I think in the right role, he's done some excellent stuff in AEW. And maybe the opening match banger is kind of a ceiling every time. And it's not just Scorpio Sky. They've tried to do this with QT Marshall. And there's probably others whose names escape me. I don't buy that he's the president of AEW. No one was clamoring really for this return in the same way they were a Miro or an Andrade. To your point earlier on, he wasn't in the punk shortlist. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with anybody of any age being like, right, grab the brass ring now, kid. Even if you're not a kid, like you've got this one last opportunity. There, it was roster blow. It was this. It was that. It was this. He wasn't in that short list of names that were getting misused or getting yeah. whatever. People were happy with Collision in that. Well, if it has to happen, at least it's a new vehicle for Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, like, I'm being funny. Like I it, tweet me if you've seen them. I've not seen any sentiments pertaining to Scorpio Sky like uh, as part of this conversation. The idea that he's the future of the company, like give our like. I think in America, they say, give me a break. <laughs> in the northeast of England, we say, give our. Uh, give our. I just... Uh, a bit I, forum 2003, this, isn't it? Come on, WWE. Scorpio Sky is right there, yeah. Vince. And, it's like, and that's where he's going to stay. Like, I, I don't know. Now look, I'd be happy to be proven wrong. And I will, I'd like being proven wrong. Do you know what? Like, it's not nice being a cynic and a pessimist and an anxious person. I think when we talk about let it play out privileges... There are long-term versions of those privileges and short-term ones. I think it has to be short-term ones here. If he comes out next week and the week after, killer match, killer promo, killer angle, we're going to be the first ones to say we're wrong and it feels great to be wrong. I'll never dig my heels in. Like Scorpio, I love being like, well, never thought I'd say X, Y, Z were the best things about this show, but they're amazing. This has been a blast. Never thought I'd go to Vegas and one of my biggest takeaways would be Big Bill, but here we are. It was awesome. 
like, I'd love that. If in two weeks that's the story of collision, if, like, nobody saw this being a Scorpio Sky vehicle, but here we are. How cool is that going to be? Because it but would remind you that... It's not going to happen. But it reminds you that it's potentially a star-making factory. Yeah. It just feels unlikely, doesn't it? It feels unlikely. We'll see. We'll see. It's not something I'm doing cartwheels over. Um, Tony uh, Nice comes out, says that he's sick of seeing cellulite on everyone's chairs. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? <laughs> and then Miro comes out for his in-action match, and it's absolutely unbelievable. He comes out looking ultra-motivated, in great shape. He sells a little bit for Nice, mostly destroys him. His body language his crowd psychology, his um, interactions with the crowd, the way he builds that um, game over submission. The guy looks like everything you thought he would be when the Redeemer got over. Oh, mm. like It's always the same in wrestling. You are building this baby face in plain sight and portraying, to me, portraying him to me in the moment as a heel. He came out and he looked like a genuine star. He looked like the person who's going to swim on this show. Yeah, I thought this was a, a great little squash match. The best thing on this show by about a mile outside of the punk stuff. It, well, it just it delivered exactly what you wanted, and I think in a few too many areas, Collision didn't. But like, I'll be honest, I didn't need him selling. Though it felt weird when he was giving Tony Nese something, but maybe again, like this does at the moment feel like the brand you want to psychoanalyze a little bit. Maybe the whole point of this was to be like, I'm back to be Miro and do business. But yeah. like, look. You were wrong about me. Is I'm going to give Tony Nice yeah, yeah, yeah. thirty seconds before I destroy him. I don't know. I, I didn't need that though. Like I would have happily had just like more of the dominance and skips the pump kick and all the rest of it. But you're right about his portrayal of himself. Like he, I wish I knew what it was that wrestlers can summon to go out there and like. It's not just a JRism of match imagining minutes, but it's a thing of how you go out there and you steal everything. Like. Actors would be punished for it, I assume, on t- TV and film sets if you were chewing too much scenery. Wrestlers, it's like you can't chew enough. Eat the whole place because yeah. you need to. And if you could, like, if every wrestler could just do that, then there'd be too many stars, wouldn't there? There would be no pecking order. Yeah. And a lot can't. Miro can and has done so before as well. So it was great to see that paid off. Like, nothing has, nothing has been diluted in his time away. And this was about as far away from his performance in the trios match when we last saw him as you could get. It wasn't this Miro in that um, House of Black trio. Yeah. Was that last All Out? All Out, yeah. Like a million miles away from that. So again, if this break has been what he's needed to find this fire, fantastic. Absolutely. Um, following that, Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale defeated the Outcasts. Um, a level above the usual women's fair on Dynamite. Not through the talent, but through the booking and the presentation. Um, but only one level above because it was a really hot start. Butchered by the advert. And then he got like... A finish that was really quite logically informed from what happened on Dynamite last week. So we get this hot start where um, Outcast just trying to level um, Blue and Nightingale um, at the bell. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Um, Will Nightingale pounces Ruby Soho skull first into a barricade. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That's a bit, it was a bit high. Was she a bit high? It was a bit high, the oh my god. Oh my, oh my god. Um, and then the match, they get the heat, and it's a long heat um, throughout the commercial. And then by the finish, Tony Storm gets the Cloverleaf Sheik debuted and defeated Sky Blue with, except they've built it. And now she's got a, a hometown behind her. Sky Blue actually managed to go towards the ropes. This really wakens the crowd up. Then we get a finish where they 
the outcast tries to use the spray paint. It falls in their face. Uh, what's the word? It doesn't work for them this time. <laughs> and then um, Nightingale gets Soho, I think, mm-hmm. with it. Big chaotic AEW style melee. And then Soho gets pinned. Mm. So maybe Nightingale versus Tony Storm, but then she's got the strong title. Who knows? But this was happy, quite good hometown babyface fair. I think you do a no titles on the line. This match could and should kick AS Willow Nightingale Tony Storm at Forbidden Door. Double jeopardy. Double je- yeah. Whoever loses wins, gets the so a fifty fifty double jeopardy program. Yes, but because the match will be awesome. Um, Sige, I'm a. I think I'm an outcast guy. <laughs> think I'm an outcast guy. I said this on Dynamite. This act is better for them not being... Um, this turf war stuff was nonsense. Yeah. like And this act is so much better for it. They are just bad guys now. Ruby Soho has completely found herself in this role. Tony Storm's the MVP of the division. I think we can agree that at this point. A great week for Sky Blue. Like, Sky Blue wasn't talked about as a... Um, Right, here's an opportunity. Run with it. What have you got? Great week for her. She feels like she's put herself in there. You know, in the fantasy world where once upon a time this women's program is going to lead to blood and guts. Yes. Now it's, now it's clearly not right. But just imagine that for a second. Sky Blue's just put herself on the babyface team, hasn't she? Like it's been one of them weeks where she's taken the two opportunities given to her, made something of them. And yes, Chicago was like literal home field advantage for her. But just like when Willow Nightingale arrived and kind of made herself. Undeniable, really, is this fantastic baby face for the division. So too with Sky Blue. I think the outcasts are helping. I really do. I think like they're good foil for baby faces to get over. In Tony Storm, you've got a bit of an in ring general. Um, Soraya, like whenever she comes back, like has found a place on the roster after it being a little bit confused when she arrived. I mean, I mean. It, like and not ironically, I think they're a valuable asset to this division now. Yeah. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, we get a pre-tape with Ricky Starks again. Doesn't seem that jazzed. Maybe it's not the time. He's obviously not feeding off the crowd's energy. It's a pre-tape, but whatever. Um, he um, inserts himself into the Owen Hart tournament. Um, all but promises to win. It's absolutely his to win. In fact, Team Taz final. He does show his hand to Tony Khan. Mm. Are they showing us with the two little two promos this well, week? Well, actually, didn't he subvert that with Ethan Page last year? Yes. When kind Ethan Page was the first person all over the full gear eliminator and he lost the final. Mm. Um, so maybe there'll be a twist here, but maybe a, a Team Taz coming together final and just doing that feud right this time. Yeah. Um, who knows? Um, in a pre-tape, just when you think, <sighs> he does this all the time, just when you think, right, Enough's enough, Jeff. You've outstayed your welcome. You've gone from overbooked but incredibly fun to this is just overbooked now. I want it on record so my bias isn't showing. Did I not say it to you in Vegas? That's it now. That's it. I said it to you as, as the biggest fan. Like, get out on top. Seth, turn on the shield now. This yeah. is you've. This is it. Aubrey getting hit with the guitar doesn't need a match. The moment was the moment. Yeah. Like Then he takes it too far. And then you get this fun wrestle crap thing on Rampage, and you think, right, that's definitely it. <laughs> and you, to be fair, you've thought this through months in advance. You get the Aubrey Edwards stuff. I don't like it on principle, but within the parameters of an overbooked TNA story, you've paid it off. That's definitely it, and I don't think it was worth ruining that the real forbidden door of good wrestling versus just too corny for its own good. I think they opened that forbidden door by having Aubrey in a match. Yeah. 
Don't like it, but it made sense. It's done. It's done. I'm happy to not see Jeff Jarrett for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he, in his pre-tape, <laughs> announces that he signed for a concession stand brawl with uh, Mark Briscoe on Dynamite this week. Oh, my God. We're going to wait until the preview. Um, but it's 46 years <laughs> to the day that the Tapilo one happens. Magic. Uh, that's that's It's so good. Yeah. And he's going to, like, sorry, it's preview fodder. He's going to roll around in mustard and Mark Briscoe's going to kick his ass. Yeah, yeah, that, like, It's not going to be anything but awesome. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And we will... Probably do one more spot we'd like to see in that yeah. match um, when the time comes. In a segment I absolutely would not have done on the show, the acclaimed come out and say we're going to scissor and we haven't forgotten about the trio's titles. And uh, the acclaimed AEW now stands for two things acclaimed every Wednesday and acclaimed every weekend. Let's do a scissor and they have a scissor party and that's it. On a show where, look, it's stupid to say that there was not one hook. You've basically threatened to reignite the best feud of 2022 that's obviously a massive hook but it needs more i think and more urgent this is why you need to tune in next week not the tacit promise of something else down the line something else for next week i think the optics of having the acclaimed do nothing swiftly followed by a house show send the the fans home happy main event with nothing after it just a weird choice. This felt like a uh, house show for the past for the last forty minutes of this show. So I've realised I praised Punk's promo at the, on Twitter at the weekend for not veering, just like he didn't when Rampage debuted. Oh, sorry, the second first dance wasn't it? The second episode of Rampage. He didn't at any point do the bells and whistles new show bit. It's about him. Oh, it's about him. That's good. Everyone else was very welcome to Collision on the show. The acclaimed, especially. Yeah, this was like a welcome. AW's welcome to Monday Night Raw was this like? There's a new show and we're on it. See you later. What are you doing? See you later, guys. See you later, guys. Like, what are you doing? I still think Billy Gunn feels like Bowens, especially. He's looking less and less enthused with just how buzzing Billy Gunn still is to be there, and I still think they are showing you a very slow burn acclaimed heel turn on Daddy Ass. I don't know how well that'll resonate because I feel like people are starting to tire. But then that's not the acclaimed and Daddy Ass's fault. They're not involved in anything meaningful. This was not meaningful. This was nice. Tony Schiavone being dragged into the scissoring was nice. But nice only gets you so far. And the acclaimed have felt short of a proper feud for too long now. Yeah. And that's like, you cannot just get away on that. For not This is not on the talent. You cannot get away with that booking forever because it's starting to feel on fumes as a result. It was just a weird thing to do on this show, which didn't, like, again... I think people are overlooking how fascinating the Punk MGF continuation is when they say, oh, why am I tuning in next week? Yeah. But and maybe they thought is a way to differentiate Dynamite, which is Cliffhanger City, particularly the last episode of it. Mm-hmm. Let's not do that. It needs to be different from Dynamite. It does, and I'm, I welcome the pace. I welcome the stylistically different main event. I welcome all that. But it did feel like, why would I come back and watch it? I think maybe another bit was, say with Rampage, they didn't do a massive angle there, but they did say title changes are happening on the first episode of Rampage. It's a momentous show. Watch it. Maybe the TNT title switch was their version of that. On TNT as well, I guess. But the same by the same token, it was no one wanting to see that switch. I think really no one was saying, oh, I'd love Luchasaurus to have that title. Is it a little bit as well? AW from the beginning have, you know, like given you a card... For next, like when it was just dynamite, it was like, well, we'll set up 
next week's Dynamite on this week's Dynamite. Then Rampage kicks off and it's like, right, Dynamite leads into Rampage, which leads into Dynamite, or Dynamite gets booked via Tony Khan's Twitter over the weekend, whatever. Like, is it more of a fan thing to be separating Collision and Dynamite? And on Wednesday night, when Excalibur's doing his run-through and he gives you the Collision card, you're like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, we didn't need... X, Y, and Z on collision to get us to next Saturday because Str- that's what Wednesdays are for. Strategically, like, it's a better idea to announce the card on Dynamite because this, the feeling is once... I reckon this will do a really good number. Right. I think it might even exceed Dynamite. It'll be there or thereabouts. Okay. The pattern will be, once the novelty of Punk, yeah. and the pattern will be Dynamite is much better primed to do a better rating. So the strategy is probably a sound one of announcing the Saturday card on the more-watched Wednesday show as an incentive. But it's not just the card I was looking at. I don't really care if I think, if anything, they announce things too early mm. um, at at times um, where everything's accounted for. So you think, oh, they're not getting this guy or an angle can't happen here because there's no logical place in the card. Um, but like a big angle outside of that punk promo. I think they had an opportunity to do like a literal all-front success and they missed it. Yeah, I would, I would argue that. I'd, like... I wouldn't argue that, sorry. I do think that the lack of anything for next week other than the CM Punk tickets graphic for the local market um, and the fact that I suppose we're assuming there's going to be forbidden door implications possibly, like, it's probably not enough. But WWE took 23 years to not have one flagship. I would argue only this year have Raw and SmackDown felt an equal footing. It's spent 23 years where one show's been the flagship then the other one has pivoted between which one's which. I think you're right. I think Dynamite very quickly will remind everybody that it is the flagship and Collision is the secondary thing. But maybe, yeah, maybe week one, that was the point. Maybe it wasn't a... um, Christian holding that title aloft is maybe the best example of it. Maybe this wasn't the week where you'd be like, you know, you love this thing. Well, F that because you'll love this more next week on Dynamite. And that's a problem that's been acknowledged over and over and over again. Maybe that was such a pointed effort on week one like, no, live in the moment. Yeah. Worry about next Saturday, next Wednesday. Yeah. It's tonight, 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 tonight. And maybe that won't be, like, the pattern going forward. But of all the nights to be night, don't look over there. Stay here. Yeah. Maybe that was why you do it on a day Maybe. Episode. I think the contrast of Dynamite's closing angle to oh, this yeah. week. Yeah. Maybe it was just self-conscious, too different. I, I don't know. I just feel like this is all going to be flawed for a long, long old time. Uh, main event time is CMFTR defeating, obviously, but that's fine. It happens. It's AEW. Uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe. Um, very slow burner. Mm. We get um, a lot of selling, selling, selling from FTR before we get to the Punk Hot Tag. Get an absolutely thrilling interaction between Punk and Joe, where Punk is just screaming bloody murder expletives in CM Punk's face as he chops him to death. Great stuff when Punk finally gets back in. He just grinds Joe down to the mat with a headlock, getting a massive eruption of a pop to the ROH nerds and something that, if you haven't seen a single second of ROH programming, much less this arguable peak of it you get a really skilled worker knowing exactly how to do things and when and to what end you get a great wrestler grinding down a monster and it looking fantastic um cash wheeler channels buzz sawyer with his absolutely (laughs) incredible power slam on juice robinson and the finish basically is a little bit muddy in that um punk who's selling is magnificent oh my god 
looks like he's passing out with the, yeah. the clutch. He actually looks like, oh, I could have finished it like this. Yeah, I had that moment too. It's like, what a flex. You I'll, I'll, lay, I'll lay down on my first big night. Like you don't that. do this as well by having Punk depict Samoa Joe as such a monster in their first, first exchange, having someone lowered gently to the canvas very gradually, like not bumping him basically. That's how much of a monster he is. You have to really tediously... Um, air quotes, grind someone down to the mat. They like to go, they like to go now. They don't because, flick off. Like, yeah. yeah, then he comes back to life because he's a monster and you think, all right, well, he's gone, he's gone. Cash Wheeler doesn't immediately go for that, which kind of undermines the Kakina clutch. But again, because Punk is such a genius, he kind of puts it over by how much he's, like, I've seen people, air quotes, pass out in subs uh, constantly ever since WrestleMania 13. Punk's so great that he makes it convincing. I thought that was the finish. Yeah. So Cash... Tends, uh, goes and saves Dax first, flies out the ring in the process, and that allows Dax to do it. I think he could really cut out the middleman. It's a pedantic flaw. So this is a slow burner, a lot of selling, a lot of building to the hot tag, and then it just kind of ends after a flurry of activity. I think it's kind of house showy. Mm-hmm. Very good if house showy action, but what I really liked about it was that it was very tonally different to the uh, uh, Elite Trio's main event of Dynamite, my one flaw in this, and I'm, this is where I'm going to get culture war, as I said I was going to do at the start of this podcast, right, is that I think as much as Punk did a great job of establishing Joe as someone who's a threat to him down the line, his collision continues. My God, Jay White might as well have been Austin Gunn in there. Mm-hmm. He just did not l- treat Jay White as, oh, God, now I've got to contend with him after Joe and sell from him and sell from him. Give him, like, the big impact him. spots towards the end, and that was it, wasn't that it? That was it, yeah. Like, Give him the was gorgeous, the, like, the, the chops in the corner and that. He looked like, I mean, the bodies are different, and that yeah. helps. It's like he's the young gun, and, you know, I like... I just the, think that he didn't... You're going to give everyone shine in a modern wrestling match. You just are. Mm. In any back and forth, and there's too bloody many back and forth wrestling matches on TV every week. I don't think what he did or didn't do for Jay White was remotely different to what any name AEW star gives anybody else in any match ever. The idea is he wanted to work with Jay White. He is headhunted him as someone who I think is great and I would like to specifically work with him. Uh, if I hadn't read that report, I would have got none of that in the body of this match. Mm-hmm. I would have got very little rather of the idea that down the line, he might have lost here or his mate might have lost, but Jay White has got Punk's number. Let's compare... Kenny Omega. Oh God! To CM. I wonder where the culture war was going because I, like, I agree with all of this. Like right. it's yeah, he's put over young up and comer Samoa Joe. But what about Jay White? Well, CM, <laughs> Punk, was... CM Punk is the guy who I want to I want to work with the young people. I want to work with the young people, and basically my role now is to work with the young people because they are the future of the business. Mm-hmm. When has he done that? He's beaten. He's get put over. Gymnasts, by the way, poor old Jr. Yes, I know. We're gonna take that time off. And we're gonna we're gonna. When he takes the time off, we're going to take the time off of the pit as well. We are. Um, uh, Kenny Omega right, wrestles alongside Kazuchika Ricarda, um, Jeff Cobb and Hanare at New Year's Dash. The idea is that, much like this trio's main event, you've got someone you can pin. Hanare is Juice Robinson. The idea in this match, and yes, he did it with Joe, is that Kenny Omega could not put away Cobb, and he was glad that Hanari had tired when the match was coming to an end. This set up Cobb versus Omega for the US title. Yes, Omega did it with, uh, sorry, Punk did it with Joe. I think he should have done more of it with uh, Jay White here. Mm-hmm. 
And another example is, look what Kenny Omega did for Brody King at Revolution. I think CM Punk could have done way more with Jay White than he did here. The fact that he didn't, and it was, I'm teaming with my mates to beat some wrestlers in the collision main event. No angle. I quite like the pop that we're going to get for a minute at the end of this broadcast, combined with the idea that he didn't really build this match, and he's more interested in getting his stuff out with the elite. A bit vanity. This is The whole thing has been a big vanity vehicle for CM Punk. I think he said the quiet part, quiet part sorry, loudly more than once on this episode of Collision which I don't necessarily think bodes well, but it's the first one. I will let it play out. Um, Someone else made the point, I think it was Trevor Dame, of it was a catch-22. If Punker doesn't allude even gently through a hint to the elite, people think he's not the same uncompromising guy. He's a phony faker. Phony faker. So he has to say something to the elite. It's part of the brand at this point. Um, I don't know. This collision was not an all-front success for me. Agree. I I didn't love the match. Uh, I loved elements. Elements of it was so good. Elements fantastic. I I go both ways on the. It was, it was like, sorry, one more thing, just because we like reliving this one. Yeah. We watched separately. We didn't even know each other at the time, but me and Hamlet in late 2015 uh-huh. watched um, American Alpha. Yeah. Versus. The Revival. The Revival at Newcastle Arena in a yeah. house show. And I watched it thinking, Jesus Christ, this is the best house show match I've ever seen. <laughs> I didn't think wrestlers cared or bothered so much on a house show. I'm bloody glad they did because that was fantastic. Similar experience to this Collision main event. It was very house show in terms of the happy ending, the way it was built, how they kind of didn't do much bumping realistically. But my God, was it excellent for what it was. Yeah. But I didn't want to go back and watch it next week necessarily. I don't want to watch this again. I thought it was too long. I thought it was a minimum of one too many. Like for, for Self-indulgent. Yeah, for hot tags that, like, I'm not stupid. I know that you tee up the baby face and you tee up the top one in CM Punk at that. But um, I don't need three, I think there was. Like heat sequences of yeah. the closest match. There was one too many. Especially was, when you don't believe that the heels are anywhere going to yeah, win as well. There was a... Triple H match layout flavor to this in terms of its length and its overindulgence that I didn't appreciate. I love how it's kind of more excessive than the Young Bucks one. Yeah, for different, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for totally different reasons. Like, I, like I just didn't need all of what I got here. I go both ways on the save, by the way, because in the short term, and like I, I can't lie about my emotional response because we were being filmed for YouTube for it. So I was watching it, going, "Ah, that feels a bit weird." That rather than just Breaking up this Kikina clutch, he's gone to save his partner. 25 minutes it went. Too long. Five, six minutes too long because it should be under 20, right? You know what the irony yeah. is as well? Go on. The anti-Melter camp, who also apparently leaked to the Melter camp, uh, Melter camp, did the story justify the length or did they want an acclaimed match? Uh, these are the guys who do not wrestle for critical acclaim. They hate the guys who wrestle for critical acclaim. They're here to do business. They don't care about star ratings. You don't go 25 <laughs> Good, because they're not going to get them out of this. You do not go 25 minutes in a cold match that you don't even build at the start of your bloody show if you don't want people to say it's really good. They, Obviously, I'm, they want the fans to be happy and enjoying it, but the length does not justify the stakes here at all, which I think is bad storytelling, and it's a transparent bid for critical acclaim. And you hear it when they do that. 
It's a mark against them for me. Like, I think they have, they being, like, I suppose Punk and FTR, but mainly Punk, um, because I try and apply some balance even with my faves, have assumed that the idea of them teaming together is enough because they haven't really built the heels. They built, there's Joe and Punk law. Yeah. But there's not, like, as you say, with Jay White and Juice Robinson. They've done that with FTR. In their defence, like they've tried to build yes. that component of the match. Yeah, and it did, but it may as well not exist. Yes. Truthfully. Like, and I just think that they probably assumed a little bit more stock would be put in. Oh, we haven't seen, last time of course we saw CMFTR, like Punk got injured and we never saw them again and it's this magic thing. And there is a magic to the trio and there's a magic to what they can do as a trio, but it's, it wasn't this match. Like if eventually, let's say down the road, CMFTR are going for the trio titles, like, oh, that's going to feel massive. Yeah. Like if, they're, if they remain a unit, which by the way, just to get back to the point, I do kind of love the long-term law you can build into the facts that the first thing uh, Cash Wheeler did wasn't save Punk, but it was save Dax. Yeah. It's quite nice. It's like tag team first, trio second. Yeah. It's nice, like, law to that. Um, but I, this was just, this what how show's the best description of it, uh, and how show you can go as long as you want, and if you think you're still pleasing the fans and you're doing that, like, every wrestler talks about the first time they wrestled Randy Orton on house show, and it's like, Give them five more minutes. Yeah. And I'll just lay in this headlock a little bit longer and then they go backstage having taken six less bumps and be like, guy's a genius. Yeah. Is. He just bought you an extra year on your career. Of course you think yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We're bored. Right? They're, like uh, That's the wrestler yeah. versus fan mindset, isn't it? And I just, I uh, found myself flagging and I r- had to watch this twice because it's the middle of the night in the UK. I was Brits. I was goddamn limeys. I have to stay up very late to watch our wrestling. So I was concerned it was just I because... I was very early to watch this and I found myself... Zoning out during this main event. So I'm watching it at three in the morning. Never have a dynamite. So. <laughs> three in the morning, whenever it was, and I'm flagging, uh, watching it the next day, and I'm not flagging. I'm just thinking, oh, lads, like, get to the end now. We know what, we know what all of this is. I think it was one on cash. I think it was the one on cash where I was like, this is egregious now. Like, and fair play as well. We don't know what Punk was uh, George Yakin to uh, Juice Robinson but I want to believe it was good because Juice was great again. Yeah. Juice is kind of stealing the Bing Bing gang for himself, and I don't have a problem with wrestlers yeah. trying to go out there and take stuff. Like, I love Jay White, but I don't mind Juice thinking, I'm not just uh, Martin Prince walking alongside Nelson here in that gif. Yeah, yeah, There's maybe more to Juice Robinson and fair play. Well, from, he's been fantastic for the past few weeks. Yeah. Like, i got a lot of time for that. Weird main event, um, not the advert... Not the advert that I think Punk would have wanted in terms of his in-ring genius, but enough flashes that remind you of why he is. Yeah. Kind of a bit of both. That's the thing. My main takeaway from Collision in terms of the politics, in terms of whether this is worth it all, whether Punk's still that great, or if he can be self-indulgent and all about him. All I wanted in the wake of Brawl Out was just a bit of a conclusion because everything was just lingering over everything. And there are no resolutions ever with CM Punk, ever. That's interesting. I, you know what? That's a good realization to come to off the back of the first collision because I realized all I wanted was CM Punk back. Yeah, and you can want like me and you obviously wanted different outcomes from this, and that's possibly going to inform what we think of him. This, all of it, every the next six weeks because I got what I wanted and you didn't, and I think that describes a couple of different fan experiences. Yeah, me too. It's just bittersweet for me. Yeah. And people will say, it's not Phil's fault, it's bittersweet because he's willing to work with him. That's how you end just, It's just the same cycle of conversations are going to go on and on and on and on and on. And this show does nothing to get away from that. And I'm very bored in general. Um, but we are genuinely fascinated to know what you all thought of Collision. Because I think the telling thing is that the very pro-punk sentiment camp on Twitter was like, oh yeah, it was good. 
Yeah. No one, I think, apart from Matt Reigns, God bless, <laughs> he absolutely loved it. He said right, it was okay. exhilarating. I think he was the highest I've ever seen on Twitter for this show. Yeah. Um, but other than him, I thought everyone else was like, it's good. It was good. Same. I, like, I'd be lying if I thought it was, it wasn't a home run broadcast. It had a had a home run promo. Yeah. Genuinely for me, that was like, that's the, like, I wish I was another word for elite. What's the game? In, S, S tier. S tier. S tier from, uh, from Punker in the opener. Yeah. Beyond that, it was a show that mostly, like, didn't enthuse me about its, its core roster. And that yeah. was part of the point, wasn't it? Like the. I'm very interested in CM Punk portraying the one Bill Phil character in mm. Hamilton, Ontario. I will yeah. tell you that right now. What on earth does that look like? I'm more interested, again, in the politics and the gossip than I am the fiction. Yeah. And that's not what I wanted when CM Punk was going to come back. Have we been too harsh, too glowing, whatever? We are very interested in getting the, the, the pulse. I, I remember a tweet today. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the pulse of this podcast and the general gist of it is we don't know yeah let's try and firm up our opinions i think the fact that we think about it too much on this one says rather a lot underneath the twitter link to this podcast which hamlet will actually do this time (laughs) um at what culture wwe on twitter whilst you're there you can follow michael hamlet at michael hamlet and you can follow me at m sidgwick coming up later today we will be reviewing smackdown and previewing raw so stick around for that and big bloodline developments that we'd sink our teeth into so subscribe to what culture wrestling wherever you get it Thank you for spending your day in part with us on Dynamite Better. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.